0: Listener Production. On today's edition of Footy Talk with Nick Rewalt, we discuss recent examples of teams flipping the narrative and why Carlton need to take a leaf out of their books. And we will debate whether AFL player wages should be made public. That's all up next on Footy Talk. You're listening to today's edition of Footy Talk on this Tuesday. Your daily dose of footy news interviews from the world of AFL. And joining me as he does every Tuesday, my good buddy Rui from over in Houston. How's things, buddy? You been watching the footy over the weekend?
1: Uh did catch a bit of the footy, yeah, uh, by week. So, you know, it's always nice to uh, just get a little bit of respite. Pretty quiet weekend. It's starting to get hot here. Is Ooh. it? Yes. Oh, Not to rub it in, because I know it's freezing cold there, but it is starting to get blistering hot.
0: Oh, you'll love that. You'll be able to get your top uh, but, off, mate, and uh, be able to strut around and oh, do, yeah, some, do some workouts.
1: Hey, I'm sure yeah, you thanks. wouldn't have missed That's even. exactly what I'll
0: do. Even I know you will. Even all the way over in Houston, I know you didn't miss the story about Jordan Dugowie, the big talking point out of the weekend. He will face the tribunal tonight for his big bump. Gee, there's been a lot of hysteria about this. For something, it's probably a pretty straightforward uh, tribunal case, really. I mean, the act, we know he's banned in the game. He's going to get either three weeks or four weeks yet. There's been a lot of narrative around it.
1: Yeah, there have. I mean, there are threads running all the way through it, which is why I think it's happened. So let, let, let's go through them. So one, it's Jordan Ngoi, Um yep. so it's always going to be a big story. So for those linking uh, this act on the football field to Jordan's previous track record is is just ridiculous, I think, to say in any way that they're linked and, oh, it's typical Jordan goey No, it's not. It's, he's having a great year of footy. He made a mistake on the footy field. He'll pay the price. It's Collingwood and West Coast. We know there's clearly a bit of history there. They've, they've played off in a grand final. Anything to do with Collingwood is is going to be a big story, particularly given Jordan's form and, and the team's form. What what has been different and interesting, I guess, is the fact that West Coast have come out and sort of stuck their nose into the, uh, I- into the situation post the game, which, you know, there's, there's been a lot of talk that, oh, they'll regret making the comments, Dom Sheed in particular. I mean no shit, like that's pretty obvious that they're going to regret it because they've been made to look um, a little bit silly. But the motivation is the one for me. Um, Clearly, they've been motivated out of embarrassment to actually try to fly the flag and and make good on the lack of sticking up for for a, a younger teammate on the weekend. So I'm sure that was Dom Sheed's intention was to at least sound and appear like he was sticking up for a teammate um, because he was embarrassed that no one did anything on game day. And I I guess the social media department at West Coast, either under direction or not, felt the same and and felt like they needed to stand up as a club. Now, not the right move, but that's why it's, it's gained legs. But really, outside of that, it's a pretty open and closed sort of case, I think.
0: Do you have a theory why none of the West Coast players stuck up for Elijah Hewitt at the time?
1: Uh, because I think they're insular as a group you know I think they've been playing survival footy for a, for a long period of time now and so when that's the way you sort of get through a game when everything's insular everything's what am I doing well then you miss those sort of things um, and and you, you, you feel bad when you, when you look back afterwards and the criticism comes. So, you know, I guarantee you if the same thing had have happened in reverse on the weekend, Collingwood is such a connected group that there would have been five or six straight in there, um, regardless of who it was. Like the fact that it was a young player is irrelevant. It was a player hitting another player. Um, but yeah, I just think that's symptomatic of, of West Coast and where they've fallen to.
0: Well, speaking of playing insular, that leads to my next point around the Blues and Uh, David King showed some footage on the first crack Sunday night, Carlton conceding a really easy goal, top of the goal square and then all six defenders giving each other high fives and not one word being said and to me that summed up another club that is playing insular. They just went into self-preservation mode thinking about themselves and not directing and who conceded that goal, where did that come from you know let's hit up the midfield, there wasn't any of that and we know really in good teams that uh, that certainly was the case if you conceded easy goals. What are you making of the Blues situation and all this talk Around Michael Voss reportedly now not being safe and and all the negativity and hysteria around Carlton.
1: Yeah, I did see that clip from Kingy. I hope it wasn't selective and he just picked out the one time out of you know ten goals or whatever where they actually didn't. Um, I'm not sure if he showed more vision than that because they they might have very well been instructive in all of the other times. But um, but I, I think it does probably speak to a bit of a general um, lack of killer instinct within that group I mean he's spot on the great teams you, you'll see them absolutely tearing each other's heads off to the point that we've, we've actually probably gone the other way and criticized some of the great teams for being too sort of overtly instructive and aggressive with with their instruction and, and body language but look I, I think if you're a Carlton person at the moment and you're at the, the very very high end of frustration and despair what do you want to happen because there are so many examples of Carlton going down this path in the past and knee jerking and reacting, and you end up back at square one almost so and at the same time there are, there are examples you know and we always go to the Damien Hardwick examples in when, is when you just see it through, and Michael Voss, he hasn't been there long. I know the expectations are high. I know the way they finished last year, we, we expected to see a bump but the, the progression of a team, a football team, it's it's not linear. It's linear when you step right back. But within that, it's it's ups and downs all the way through the journey. Like so, a stock market, Rui. That's right, Joey. I know you're a big stocks man. I know you're a big buy, sell, hold man. But in the long term, I think if they hold, that they have enough in terms of uh, talent, resource, passion. I mean, Michael Voss, I, I think, is a, a good coach. Um, so... You know, you, you, you can plead patience all you want. You're going you're gonna to still have a, a segmented group of the supporter base that are always going to be agitators stick fat
0: so have a look at the narratives of some other examples some other clubs that maybe could have reacted and and jumped at some hysteria um, externally but have held true and you look at the Gold Coast Suns who we need to give some credit for Stewie Jew and that club sticking fat to their process they've had some ups and downs and still there might be more to come and we're not sure how the year will pan out but it's great to see clubs sticking to that process Ken Hinkley I know you want to touch on him and where he was at with Port Adelaide even the Adelaide crows the last couple of years around Matthew Nix and how bad they were going and up until three weeks ago people were saying they were smoky to win the premiership so you actually can turn it around if you just stick fat internally
1: yeah, so for all of the you know midway point of the season disappointments that we've got, and that that that, te- that tends to be where we go as a football media, we want to you know use the stick rather than the than the reward. Um, there are some great stories so far at the halfway mark. So you, you mentioned the Gold Coast Suns and the pressure on Paul Stewie Jew over the last couple of years. I mean, last year it was the lure of Alistair Clarkson and, and Brad Scott and Ross Lyon and. Basically, who was going to take his job. And, you know, the, the, the noise straight away with Damian Hardwick was has been pretty similar. But they've just started to, to just consistently rack up solid performance. Not necessarily wins all the time, but solid, solid performance. And credit to you, Joey, you put on the radar last week after their win in Darwin that they should play as many games there as possible and and it's continuing to stack up because they are turning it into a fortress but it's the way they're going about it. I I just hope from here that it's not another case of we've seen this movie Mm. and the the inevitable drop-off from the Gold Coast is coming but at the moment you've you've got to give them credit. Port Adelaide for me are are the ones, I mean – Ken Hinckley was dead man walking, if you listen to the vast majority of the media this year. It was, uh, you know, anything short of a premiership was mm. w- was going to be basically impossible for him to keep his job. And I think, you know, round two or three, um, Warren Tredray, club great. I mean, that's real pressure. There, there's pressure from the media, but when it's coming from an internal source in the form of a former club champion, premiership captain, that's as fierce as it gets um, and they've stood in the face of it and just performed. And so the, the, you know, the noises disappeared. That's the best way to go about it. So I've, I've loved watching um, the way Port Adelaide have sort of responded to those early season slumps.
0: Yeah. And for, just back for the Blues, there's no better example, I think, this season than in regards to Fremantle. It was only five or six weeks ago. Everybody was talking about how boring they were and they'd gone backwards with their
1: yep. style of play. Hey, Collingwood as well. Yep. Collingwood as well, sorry to cut you off on the, on the Dockers. I know you're a big Dockers man. But um, the, uh, the, I mean, the Magpies, we, we were all, talk, well we were all, there was a lot of, well, they can't replicate it because they won too many close games. And that was a, a freak. It's not going to happen again. But I mean, guess what? They're just a really good footy team. They were winning close games because they're a bloody good footy team. So they've defied a, a bit of a narrative, albeit they, they played in a preliminary final last year. And, and I think the Hawks as well. I mean, we, we were all looking at, at Hawthorne as a bit of a blight on the competition at the start of the season and, and you know the integrity of the game was in question because of the moves that Hawthorne have made. Well, I think we're all looking at it a little bit differently now and, and that Sam Mitchell and, and the decisions that have been made with respects to their list and, and on field have been really smart ones that are going to fast track their acceleration back up the ladder. So there's some teams. I know there are some individuals as well that have, have kind of bucked the narrative. Tim Taranto has, has put the doubters to bed with just racking up game after game, consistent, solid footy. Jack Lukosius, an, another one that you like, Joey.
0: Yeah, spot on. I mean, he's one that has had a lot of critics, but now just stacking strong games together and just silencing those critics. I think Joe Danaher, to be fair, early in the season, it was uh, Brisbane can't win the flag with Joe Danaher and Eric Kipwood. There are a few um, high-profile people in the media going with that narrative. He's put that to bed. And then even young Will Phillips, who is a high draft pick that, you know, some people already questioned him. You've got to give these younger kids some time. Not everyone comes out like Nick Dacos or Sheasel in their first year and dominates. Some other kids need a few few more years. Luke Davies Uniacs a great example. Give them time. They will show their talent. So you're right. There is a lot of stories, in even just this year, of changing the narrative through hard work. And just, just back to my point about Fremantle in regards to Carlton, is Frio have changed the narrative, not off the back of changing their game plan as people try and make out in the media. It was more mental. Justin Longmire just freed them up, released the shackles a little bit mentally, and they started playing to win, not to lose. And that's been the difference rather than any sort of significant um, change to their game plan. So I want to see that from Michael Voss with the Blues. It's more now between the years, really, watching them on, on Friday night.
1: So how do you do that? How do you do that? Because when you hear free them up, release the shackles, you just think, okay, we're going to go, we're going to play on, we're going to be you know, a bit more freewheeling. How, how do you do that?
0: Well, that's the art of coaching. There's two sides to it, isn't it? There's the there's the, the tactical and the game plan side of it. Then there's the psychology side of coaching, getting into the players' heads, getting them to, to play with their talents and their freedom. Very few of them are playing at their potential, right? now I mean Charlie Kernow was up until the last couple of weeks but other than that every other single blue has not played to their absolute potential so how does Michael Voss get that out of them that's going to be the challenge if they do they're certainly good enough to win more games
1: he did it as a player but it was a different it was a different way he yeah. walked down the race and he said do as I do boys you know he, he, he was the ultimate warrior and competitor as a player does he have that capability as a, as a coach you know we're going to find out
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, we'll take a break because I'm going to do a bit of a real talk, shit talk. But want to get your take on contract lengths and contract situations. And because of your um, involvement over in America, whether salaries should be made public or not, what your take is and a couple of other examples of real talk, shit talk. That's all to come. If you're listening to Footy Talk and listening on Apple, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you have a question for us, get us on Instagram at Footy Talk underscore pod or on TikTok at Footy Talk Pod here with Nick Rewalt on this Tuesday. Really big news about uh, the lizard Nick Blakey, a seven year contract deal tying him to wow. the end of 2031. First of all, what was your longest contract? Did you sign a big lucrative
1: one? Uh, four. Only a four, four year years. Up. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Four years, which I think is about right. Like, I don't know. Like, I think there's there's upside and downside with respects to both as a player and as a team. I'm not a massive fan of the big, long deals. A bit of personality involved. Right? Uh, you yes. think it's a
0: bit of personality, what sort of you feel comfortable with to get the security behind you?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Like, I think being on the edge a little bit um, contractually is is a good thing to have personally, mm. um, depending on, on what you're motivated by, of course. But to me, like, I, I wonder about the – you know because like, to me, Blakey looks he just looks like a Swans man, like a rusted on sort of Sydney Sydney guy that would never really entertain leaving. So they're the only ones that know the, the, the exact details of the contract. Um, you know good, good for them, good for, good for Blakey, um, super, super player, but yeah, no, that's a long one. What yeah. was your longest?
0: Uh, probably three. I don't think I signed longer than a three-year deal. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought. Um, speaking of a uh, deal that I reckon is close to your heart, I loved that Fremantle in the last week have re-signed Nat Fife and Michael Walters. They're two veterans for two more years. I know some people think, oh, why two? But I would much rather have a 34-year-old superstar veteran on my list on an average wage or maybe even below average. It wouldn't, you know, something like that. than having a lot of other players that aren't really ever going to help your team that are playing VFL that are probably yeah. on not-too- similar money I think it's a positive I'd rather sign these veterans for one year too long they don't have to play you don't have to pick them in the team if they're not in your best 22 but I love that they've done this free man particularly with this young side that want to win a flag in the next 24 months
1: yeah I love it I think it's a great move I think what it does culturally as well for your club is really important that the 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 players in in Fife and Walters will that they will buy in they will exude sort of um, security and investment in the football club. I mean, I, I think you were in a pretty similar situation to me. Like, I, we, I finished on four one-year deals, and every year by the time you'd get to sort of late in the season and, and it was contingent on passing a medical, there was a lot of angst. It was like, well... Do you know do you play out the rest of the season and risk getting hurt or like it was all of those sort of conversations it's um so yeah look i i didn 't enjoy finishing on on four one year deals because it, it created a bit of a, a a great between um player and and, and club so yeah good on, good on the dockers for uh For not just – it's not looking after the old bloke because it's culture and and making smart decisions based on what those guys can not just deliver on the field but to the rest of your group that you're trying to help grow and improve.
0: So the big real talk, shit talk question for you then today off the back of contracts really is, should our AFL contracts be made public? Because over in the States, all the contracts are made public. What's your take? Is that real talk or shit talk?
1: Yeah, real talk for me. I mean, we we speculate – uh, all the time, anyway. Uh, and then, either you know, you, you, get, you get really, really close to the number, and then players are up in arms because we, we shouldn't be talking about it. And there's clearly been some betrayal either from a, a player manager or a club, or someone's spoken to someone, or whoever, or you're a mile off and then the players crack the shits anyway because that's not even what I'm on. So I think it would eliminate all of that angst. You're on what you're on and everyone knows it rather than sort of the wild speculation. I think as a player it can be a useful tool in getting us to where I know you agree the top players should be paid much more in comparison to average players. I think average players would be a little bit less inclined to stick their hand out for the massive payday knowing that it's going to become public all your teammates are going to know and you're going to be you you are going to live with the pressure every single day of that tag on your head i i, th- I think it might have an impact on those type of situations and it would demystify within the club th- the the tension I think that can exist at times when players, average players, are underforming on big, big money. Um, so I would like to see it, I think it would be a, a, a useful tool for clubs. And for players, and clearly for the media, I think it would generate interest, which is you know ultimately how you sell the game.
0: That's my only concern with it becoming public. Was I think the exact figure then becomes used as, as, a, as a clickbait tool. It would become very easy for media on a Monday to just put up a player's wage and then put up their performance and just go whack. And I don't think your, your performance is necessarily is not necessarily based on your wage because there's all different reasons why a club might pay overs for someone who might not be at that level in regards to their play but they need that specific player or you need to pay him to get into your club and he's better off than not having him there I just worry that the exact figure will be used as a tool to just to smash blokes in the media and that's why my concern where I think it's a voyeurism thing I think the only reason we need to know is because we just want to know rather than it actually impacting because the clubs know anyway what players are on um, and those things but it's a good chat do you you think
1: it would be a good thing though Joey for yeah, like, well, let's talk about some, let's talk about our footy club. Our footy club went and paid massive money for some blokes that were like the whole supporter base were really critical of these contracts. Yeah. Do you think if those numbers were made public straight away, it would put more pressure on the incumbents in those sort of positions to make more responsible decisions because you are ultimately accountable to a fan base that have the exact information.
0: Probably, but then I would be disappointed if a player was worried about, I need to play better or perform better because of the external noise around my contract. I think that's a, that's a bit of a blight on the player. I would think if that player's coming to the club and they've paid him that money, he says, okay, well, I'm going to deliver for the team because you obviously rate me or you've, you know, you've paid me a certain way. To be able to base it, well, now that everyone knows, I better try harder, I would find that a bit of a blight on the character. So. But it's probably human nature, Rue. It's probably human nature.
1: Players are human. You, you get comfortable on the big on, – on well, not everyone, but some players get comfortable when they've got the big deal. Anyway. That's why they always play well in their contract years.
0: It's a uh, it's a good debate. It's a good debate. Hey, I'll leave you with one more Real Talk shit talk. Adam Saad, did he make the right decision leaving the Bombers to go to the Blues to play finals?
1: Yeah, I think he made the right – he made the right decision for him at the time. You know, 12 weeks ago it was the right decision um, – so, yeah, look, I, it's, it's easy from the, uh, from the comfort of an armchair to say, oh, he's made, made the wrong decision. But, um, you know, hindsight's twenty, 20. I'm, I'm sure he's happy with his yeah, decision.
0: Yeah, that was a uh, rhetorical question because I wanted to say that as well. I hate the hindsight conversations because it's so yeah. easy in hindsight to say, yes, he should have stayed or this and that. It's like doing the, redoing a draft. It's like, so I'm now seeing that, you know, oh, Sam Walsh is not even in the best five players in his draft. Why did Carlton take him? It's like, no, Sam Walsh was the best kid in the country at 18 years of age. It was a no-brainer just because other players have gone on. You can't then redo a draft and say they should have taken this player. It really bothers me. But uh, anyway, that's what we do in the industry. It creates fodder and it creates us chatting about it, really. Someone we did a
1: redraft from the 2001 draft the other day. It's never going to end. No, I, is never it, gonna It's never going to end, yeah, Joey. Yeah, yes, I yeah. know. Well,
0: I crept up from 37 to about 13 on that re, uh, redraft. Oh, well so done. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take that. St Kilda got uh, some value there. And you're still number one in the 2000, and oh, thank you. 2000 draft anyway. Hey, uh, very good, Rue. Always great seeing your face, mate. Enjoy your week in those hot conditions in Houston. We'll be back oh, to I do will. it again next Tuesday. Stick with us because tomorrow, Abby Holmes will be with Richmond star Nathan Broad to talk about their big win in the Adam Kingsley Cup that he apparently labelled it, really, in the JWS Giants did he? Track. In the JWS Giants. Mini had a win. Andrew McQualter, shout out to our mate too. For How good. His first well win. Done, mini. We need him back in our basketball team, though. He thinks he's too busy now to play oh, basketball a, with us on a Wednesday a killies, night. Did Achilles, <laughs> he? did. Hey, see you, rope. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of Footy Talk. Listener.